With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, everyone. I'm Fox News' Rup Raj, and welcome to the Let It Rip podcast. On this, the March 2nd edition of Let It Rip, we talked about DT Energy's response to the storm. Many people were without power for seven days and got only a $35 credit. We're talking about that, plus the Ohio train derailment and the waste that was brought to Michigan. How is that allowed to happen? What are the loopholes and what's being done to prevent it? And the war in Ukraine, more than $100 billion spent. Is it sustainable? Let's let it rip. Tonight on Let It Rip, a year of devastation, but not defeat in Ukraine. And it comes with a hefty price tag for America. We stand, we fight, and we will win because we are united. Ukraine vows to win. President Biden vows the U.S. is in the country's corner. So is America's rule too much? Plus. Now they're quietly going to bring that toxic material to Michigan. And, and dump it in our backyards and possibly put our families in danger. A toxic train derailment in Ohio, bringing contamination concerns to Michigan. Hazardous waste quietly shipped to Metro Detroit, sparking outrage from the Romulus community. So how is this allowed to happen and who's to blame? Congresswoman Debbie Dingell and State Rep James DeSena debate it all, starting right now. All right, some big topics to let it rip about tonight, so let's get right to it. Joining us tonight, Congresswoman Debbie Dingell and State Representative James DeSena, who represents the Romulus area, and always our anchor and attorney, Charlie Langton, with us as well. We thank all of you for joining us today. Look, we're going to talk about that waste disposal side out in Romulus and, uh, and, and Belleville in that area, but let's get to DTE first, because this has been really what people are talking about. We invited DTE to come on the show today here on Let It Rip to talk about why it is that it took so long, and if the third $35 credit was enough for people who had lost power, some of them for a week, all the groceries, the hotel bills. Congresswoman Dingell, is it enough? No, I don't think it's enough. I think uh, DTE has got I, this horror stories. I've done casework for a straight week. I had a farmer with 150 sheep that had no running water, no electricity. I, I was really concerned about what might happen with him today. I was talking to a veteran that's disabled that got stuck on the second floor and couldn't get downstairs, and the fire department came to help him several days later. The number of people that lost food in their refrigerator freezers, the horror stories. Is $35 an insult? I, I think we got to... I don't... What I want is facts. I want to know why we weren't prepared. Have they hired and staffed up? Do they have the staffing? Why aren't we building more resiliency? And obviously, I'm a little concerned that the same week people are still out without power, they're asking for the kind of rate increase that they're asking. Representative DeSena, the people in the good communities that you represent, including Romulus, hardworking people who are out there going, you gotta be kidding me. Um, what's the recourse here? As, a, as, as someone who represents these people, what do you plan to do to hold feet to the fire in this case and, and hope for a better result the next time this happens? Well, I've introduced a bill that if you're out of power for over 48 hours, DTE has to refund 5% of your monthly bill for each day uh, that you are out, a total that you're out of power, so 5% per day. Um, so if it's four days, five days, they're gonna have to refund you for your loss of power. 
$35, thoughts on that? It'll be more than 35, 5% of a, if you have a $300, $400 electric bill, it'll be significantly more than $35. But should they have done more than $35? Oh, absolutely. $35 is, I think, embarrassing. Uh, we know how, I, I was getting calls for, that people who were still out yesterday. Still and, and I think it's been a week. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, I, our system is so vulnerable right now, Roop. We, people have no idea how vulnerable our system is. And I think I just have to say our priorities have to change. I'm not going to blame this all on DTE. Their linemen have worked hard. I have a lot of DTE friends, people who work at Fermi Nuclear and at the Monroe Power Plant. Uh, but I just think that our priorities are out of whack. And um, $35 is not enough for these people who have been out of power for a week and have lost all, all kinds of freezer, uh, their food in their freezer. Uh, Charlie, the, the argument is that there are so many trees that we have here in Michigan. There are trees everywhere, right? Yes, a lot of trees, and we've been doing stories the whole week here. I mean, it's for us, it's, you know, these are people who are really suffering. I think there's an infrastructure problem. I think there's a, you know, a problem with a big storm. That's true, but I think that we've been through this before. It's not the first time they've had a power. Sure. So I think more so for DTE, there's a, there's a PR issue. You don't go and ask for more money, a big raise, when we understand they're making profits, and now, and people have not had power for so many uh, days, it's just not right. The timing is bad, but there is an infrastructure problem that's got to be solved. Whether DDE can do it, uh, they're going to have to do it fast. And we're going to get to our next topic here, but I should also mention again that we did invite DTE to join us here tonight, and they weren't able to make it here tonight, but they did release a statement in the last few days saying, we completely understand the frustration of being without electricity. We will continue to work with state and local leadership on our shared goals of continuing to improve reliability, deliver cleaner energy, while maintaining affordability for our customers. And look, when you hear them say, work with state and local leaders on our shared goals, maybe two of the people sitting at our table here tonight will be hearing from DTE. To, eat, to come up with better solutions moving forward. But let's get right to uh, the other reason that we invited you both here. Representative DeSena, you represent an area right now that all of that waste, five, at least five truckloads of this waste from East Palestine, Ohio, just comes trucking through into the state of Michigan. Governor DeWine tweets about it saying, hey, we got our stuff going to Michigan. That's how people were alerted. What's wrong with that picture? Uh, we should have known. That's the biggest thing that's wrong with that picture. And we never should have gotten it in the first place. 300,000 gallons, Roop, and 300 gallons of liquid put into a deep injection well. And I have a big problem with injecting chemicals. This is dioxin. One part per billion is harmful or fatal. You look at all the aquatic animals that were killed. It's, it's in the, what, it's way past 50,000 now. Fish, frogs, ducks, herons. So we know this is dangerous. Why are we injecting chemicals? Even if it's deep, we know this, the, these chemicals migrate around the Great Lakes. I am, uh, my, my residents are deeply concerned about these chemicals coming into the Great Lakes region. I realize this happened in Ohio. Sure. We just feel the, the, the liquid should have been disposed in Ohio. There was a well they passed in Vickery, Ohio that they could have disposed it at. They came to Michigan. This was probably very lucrative. And you, you may know Republic Services, all three locations are owned by Republic, which is owned by Bill Gates. So, um, well, Congresswoman, you, you look at what what's going on here, and EGLE, which of course is the Michigan Department of Environmental, Great Lakes and Energy, they're the state agency. It turns out that they don't even have authority to refuse some of this stuff or to make an approval on the stuff coming in. Is that a problem? So, for, uh, 
I would like, I agree uh, with my colleague here, and I'm so glad to see the Republicans joining us. I would like to shut this injection well down. Uh, been, by the way, working against it for 25 years, uh, and I'm not quite sure how it's gotten approved, and it's been fined, and it's up for permitting right now, and I think you're going to see a lot of the local communities uh, see what they can do about it. But people don't pay attention. Toxic waste is going to that site all of the time. It is RICRO approved. This gets really technical, uh, but not Superfund approved, CERCLA. So there will not be no more, now that the chemicals are, the EPA has taken over the site, you will not see any more going to that Romulus injection well. But I think people need to pay more attention on a regular basis, make their voices heard, and I hope we have a national discussion about whether populated areas should be the sites I, for toxic I, I, waste. I'm having a hard time understanding how the state agency uh, can't prohibit waste from being brought in and disposed of in a place. Isn't that the job of Eagle, yeah, but is it, the Michigan but Department permitted. of Environmental You, the lawyer, talk about it. Well, wait a minute, it's wait a minute. Is this stuff dangerous? As I understand it, this stuff is not dangerous. One part if, per if billion, Charlie. If it's 99% water, 1% toxic waste, and it's, and it's pumped down. To the, listen, I don't know. I'm not an engineer. I'm just a lawyer. I don't know this stuff. But to me, if it's dangerous, get them out of here. Keep it in Ohio. But if it's not, they're making money on this thing. Van Buren County, I don't know if Romulus is making money, but listen, some people might argue that these people are part of the solution. How do we get rid of toxic waste? If it's done safely, I have to think that our government understands the safety ramifications. And if it's safe, charge them and charge them a lot. But Charlie, back in 2006 until 2011, Republic under a different name, a different ownership, yeah. had an issue in which they had a, a problem with an injection pipe. Okay, and they actually closed, they reopened in 2011. The question here is what Congresswoman Dingle brings up. We're not paying enough attention to this, but the issue that I have is how are we to pay attention? Do we just pay attention to Governor DeWine's Twitter feed to know when the next one's coming in? Who can stop this stuff? And Congresswoman, if the state agency can't stop it, the EPA can, is the, what, what's wrong with that loophole? EPA in your took mind? over the site, EPA stopped it on Friday night. So that happened. But here's the reality. States have, the, the states have control of permitting at this site. So I think people need to hear the voice heard. I hope we're going to have a national discussion. Sheila Jackson Lee from Texas and I are planning on leading it about whether we should have toxic waste stored in populated cities like this. And by the way, Charlie, it's underground. How close is it to all these different water tributaries, to the Great Lakes, 20% I don't know. of the fresh water? I, can, I, can I don't know. Representative. Contamination. How do we know there's no contamination? The problem is we don't. It's down 3,000 feet, but it migrates. And if you really study the issue, it's moving. And it, it's in the Mount Simon sandstone formation. It's not impermeable rock, it's porous. So the, and it's, Charlie, it's solution by dilution. They're moving it with 90% water, but then it migrates and we don't know where it's going. It might be 10 years, it might be 50 years. One of the sites in the country, the water migrated in 26 hours to the surface. There are problems with deep injection wells. We could talk about it for a long time. 15 states have banned deep injection wells. We should not have deep injection wells in Michigan. I'm here to say, I grew up on the Detroit River. I, I lived downriver my entire life. 
wife was born and raised in Wyandotte. I worked at my family's boat harbor. Water, and I'm sure to the Dingles, I'm happy to be here to agree that they have been very dedicated to water quality throughout the Great Lakes. We should not have deep injection the wells Eagles in the Great Lakes. They should know this and they should be shut down. I agree. This is absolutely a function of government. If this stuff's dangerous, if it could seep out to and hurt our and it waters, does. It does get rid of it. No question about it. Mm -hmm. who, who, who can disagree with that? But, but obviously, the, the, the rules as they are in place right now, Eagle cannot prohibit waste from actually being transported. They shut them down now. But the EPA no, shut them down, not Eagle. The state cannot do that. Because that's it's not certified. We, they didn't shut them down. I want to make that clear. EPA said you're not going to transport it to Can't, that site. Not because you're not, the feds came in, the state didn't? Well, some government well, agency well, shuts the problem. But the state, what, there's too much uncertainty. And I think people need to hear the voices heard. Quite frankly, I, I shared this with Jim, that th this is up to have its permit extended. There was a public notice. I never saw the public notice he didn't the public hearing come closed and nobody said anything because we don't pay attention response, until there's a crisis what responsibility does governor dewine have even if it just be a courtesy obligation to call the governor of the state of michigan and say hey just so you know i'm about to tweet about this we got five or 15 <laughs> trucks coming your way with waste in it that the whole world knows about Absolutely, 100%. We should have known. We should have had a heads up. I talked to the mayor of Romulus. He was caught by surprise. It's his city. And when I called him, I said, I understand they're bringing in dioxin. People know what dioxin is. It's bad stuff. And it doesn't stay. Do you know how these injection wells work? The water goes down into the sandstone and it disperses. So we are potentially putting hundreds upon millions of gallons of toxic water down into the rock and hoping it stays there and the proof is that it doesn't. You do have one problem that is is a partisan issue. It's with the governor of the state of Michigan. You say that Governor Whitmer should not be awarding a $15 million bailout or federal contract or whatever you want to call it, government wealth, corporate welfare to Norfolk, to Norfolk Southern. And that's right now part of a package. That needs to be stopped, you say? Yes, I don't tie the two together. I mean, Norfolk Southern, this accident that happened in Ohio, um, really doesn't have anything to do with that. I'm not a big believer in giving money to a private company. Norfolk Southern is the same railroad that had the accident in Ohio and the same right. railroad the governor is trying to give $15 million to in Marshall, Michigan for uh, some rail extensions and rail improvement. I, I think, think they should Congressman, what do you, well, Congresswoman, would you agree with that, that perhaps $15 million shouldn't be handed over to a company that right now had two accidents, one in our state, one in our it, it had a derailment in Van Buren. I, I did not study this legislation. I, I know that we're competing with other states in terms of economic development. I want to, I have a lot of questions, but I want to say that this got approved under, um, right now we are totally bipartisan and we need to be. People fought this well for years. Yeah, 30 and years. it was John Engler's Eagle that gave it the approval. And once something gets approval, it's this ended up in the Ingham court courts. This it was down well, for it was down for five years. It was, e, it was in a holding five. company. EDS went out of business. It, it went bankrupt. It was in a holding company. Republic took it over, and we probably had an opportunity to stop it right then and there. I just came into office, and when I heard that they were bringing one potentially one million gallons of dioxin, watered down sure. dioxin to Michigan. I'm like, why Michigan? My first question was, why Michigan? Why are we coming to Michigan, the Great Lakes State? We have the most fresh, nine-tenths of the fresh well, surface the, the water. Well, the country is going to be depending on our Great Lakes at some point if some of the contamination Absolutely. around the world and around the country continues. It's sacred ground. It's good water. It's our stuff. We should protect it. And I believe the Michigan Department of Environmental Great Lakes Energy has a moral responsibility to have a stronger hand in the way these things are handled, and I hope you'll agree. They should be completely on top of this, and we should know that uh, when you have an accident that happens 
happened, like the accident that happened in Ohio where they burned vinyl yeah. chloride. They burned it. They lit it on fire because it, the temperature was raising. We are, we are straight out, uh, out of time on this segment. I want to thank you for joining us thank here you. today, Congresswoman, as well. Thank you for joining us. You know, it's been a year since Russia invaded Ukraine. Thousands of civilians killed, but Ukraine, its president, and its people refused to back down. So does the U.S. need to step up or step off when it comes to its involvement? The debate rolls on next. Back now, a letter rip since the war in Ukraine had started. 8,000 civilians have died, a figure the U.N. says is likely higher. But while many thought the country would fall, it has stood. So the question is, how much longer will this war last and what, what, what should the U.S.'s involvement be? Congresswoman Debbie Dingell back with us, as well as Jamie Rowe would Secure My Vote. He's here as well, a conservative uh, commentator. We thank you both for joining us here today. And of course, our friend Charlie Langton with us as well. Uh, all right, let's get to this right now. The U.S. support of Ukraine uh, there's been, it's been said over and over again that the U.S. will continue to support Ukraine as long as it takes. And you hear those words and all of a sudden you think, do Americans support this? 60%, according to the Associated Press, last year said we support this war. That's fallen to 48%. People are growing tired, Congresswoman Dingell, of this, aren't they? Look, I think that people really need to understand that this is a fight for democracy everywhere, and people do not understand what is happening in terms of Russia and potential China alliances, the national security issues that are at risk. I don't like this war any more than anybody else does. but. Putin undertook an aggressive action that is a danger to the world peace. Jamie Rowe, when you look at those poll numbers of the number of Americans that say they're growing tired of how much is being spent, $113 billion worth of uh, aid is actually heading that way, and, and they say they're going to run out by mid-July. They may actually come back and ask for more money, uh, Congress may. Is, is this a sustainable war for the U.S. to continue to fight? Well, I can tell you what, Rupe, I think I'm one of those people who was in the 60s last time and is in the 52 now. Um, I think that it is always what the best use of American military and American treasure is when the vital national interests of the United States are at stake. And quite frankly, in this war, I don't know what the vital national interest of the, of the United States is. Security in Europe is certainly uh, <clears throat> something that we care deeply about, but the fact that the Russian army hasn't been able to take over Ukraine tells me that they would have absolutely no chance if they tried to come into any NATO country. They would get obliterated if they took on NATO. So I, I don't think $100 billion, when we have a wide open southern border right now that is allowing fentanyl to come across, that is killing 100,000 Americans a year, and we do nothing, and we, and we do next to nothing about that. We, we, this administration has done nothing to, to, to that stop is the flow of drugs across. That is not true, and I cannot Debbie, sit next it, it, to you and let you get away with uh, it. I care about fentanyl as much as you do. We have to do something, and by the way, it's coming across our northern border, too. It's killing our kids. It's killed family yes, members of mine, uh, and it's damn scary. But it's not either or. we got to fight the fight at the border. we got to tighten it. we got to do something about fentanyl. But to say, we've got and threatening nuclear war. You're not worried about that? You don't think that's a threat to I am, States? which is why I think we should be talking a lot more about peace and a lot less about, how do you, about how do you, war. How do you reach peace in a war-torn country in which you have someone like Putin who's ruthless, who says, there's no way in hell I'm letting this go. I'm going to keep on fighting this fight until it's done. He's hoping Americans get tired. He's hoping Congress says, you know what, we're done. Isn't that Putin's dream? Uh, then what's the, what's the limit, Rue? A trillion dollars? 
Is a trillion dollars the limit? What is it? I, I, I worked on Capitol Hill for 13 years, and we heard, we, in that entire time, we had a war going on in Afghanistan. And it was always, oh, one more year, and, and we're going to achieve peace, we're going to achieve free, freedom for the people of Afghanistan, and so forth. And we ended up leaving and left the people to Afghanistan with no freedom under the under the guise of the Taliban. So, but when you look at that the idea that we at, are to subsidize freedom everywhere across the world, that is not our job. But, but our job is, is as, as a superpower, right? As a world, one of the world's superpowers is to, in these cases, as Congresswoman said, secure democracy where there is a threat. There's immeasurable human suffering. There's a threat to the global economy if Putin continues to get his way. Does that concern you? I, I don't know what Putin's continuing to get his way on. He has not had much success in Ukraine, and in fact, if if things are are to be believed, he is suffering at home as a result of this war. And I give Ukraine great credit for for how boldly they fought with our weapons and our dollars. I, I will so say, and, and, and at, at some point no, there's a limit, and the American people are going to come to that limit. And I, and I am sensing that this is going to be an issue in this upcoming election. Oh, yeah. I think a lot of people are questioning what is the exit strategy, and how do you tell somebody that's sitting here right now in the city of Warren, say, I just picked a city, how does whatever is going on in Ukraine affect me? And I think that the PR machine is not doing a good enough job. And I just think it's too easy to say it's for democracy. We have a lot of problems here at home, and yet we're spending a hundred plus billion dollars over there. It's Con not Congresswoman, our, our president during the State of the Union, while you were sat in the audience, uh, talked a lot about a lot of other issues that were domestic and important to Americans. He did not talk about Ukraine a lot because he knows that if Trump ends up becoming the nominee, when this election comes to a head, it's gonna be all about what Biden did wrong, according to Trump, with this war. Is this, is this something that he can afford to do politically? Well, first of all, I think that it's not going to just come down to the war in Ukraine because there are a lot of domestic problems that, by the way, Democrats have delivered on, and Donald Trump caused many of those but don't problems. Do you think this will be a big one between Trump and Biden if it I becomes a I think it'll a be one fight? issue, but I think there are going to be a lot of other issues that are going to matter from the infrastructure bill to what we're doing about the environment, to about education for our kids. We're going to end our public health crisis in May, but COVID isn't going to be done. What are we going to do about keep on bringing our supply chain home? we got a lot of issues that are going be part of the but next you, presidential. You're the, you're the congresswoman who extends her hand across the aisle Always. and talks to Republicans and has, you have coffee with people who are MAGA Republicans. You want to hear from everybody. When you hear some of these dissenting voices in the Republican Party, you say, look, the support in my area is really low right now. Does that concern you about whether no, or not we can I run out of money here? In, in Arbor that are worried about this war. I don't I, I think they're more Republicans, but the Republicans that are strongly supporting the war in Ukraine too, because they know what's at stake about world peace. This is, it has been, okay, I'm seasoned, I'm not old, but I, we have had a relative calm period of peace in the world that is now being threatened by a Russia-China Is U.S. security at stake with Ukraine and Russia's war? Yes. Is there a direct relationship? Yes, there ah. is a very direct relationship. The fact that Putin is, is threatening nuclear war. When you look at what he's trying to do to the oil supply, where we're looking at oil, by the way, has become too much of a 
arsenal, a weapon in the arsenal of trying to cause economic disruption. Which, well, Jamie, is, why, which is why we should drill at home. Well, Jamie, but, well, but oil aside, when you take a look at the instability and you talk about Putin's threats and now the alliance with China that seems to be growing yes. stronger, that doesn't worry you about the global security in terms of U.S.'s security as well here at home? It worries me greatly when we had the administration the other day threatening China that if they supply arms to Russia, that it will give serious consequences to the U.S.-China relationship. And I'll remind everybody, we have sold our soul now to this battery technology, 90% of which are minerals that come processed from China, that we cannot produce batteries unless we but trade with President China. President Joe right Biden now. stood firm against China in his statement, Many people who are Democrats would say, or Republicans would say, he needs to be stronger. And now he's putting his fist down saying, we're not going to stand for this. What's wrong with that? What I would say is that we need to decouple ourselves from dependence on other countries, which is why on the energy front we have oil and other resources here in our country we need to take advantage of. Well, there is of. an agreement in the works, or at least some uh, di diplomatic issues between China trying to broker some kind of a deal to end this war. So yes. I think the United States should at least let that process take we place. Use all diplomatic well, so, or participate in that process. And took this question out to the roads to find out what people at home think. We're going to take a look at that when we return. Stay with us. War in Ukraine. What do you think about that? I don't like to see any, no wars. No war is good. I think it's a bunch of bullshit. What's the real reason for it? Ukraine, it's a matter of liberty, isn't it? I mean, I'm pretty free over here. All I know is I'm Albanian in Ukraine. They did not support the freedom and the representation of Kosovo. They don't recognize us under NATO. So why should I care? I'm upset because people here goes hungry. And those people over there, they're sending all this money over there for what? Do you think that the United States is telling us enough about why we're over in Ukraine? I don't think so. It's always some hidden, hidden agenda. It's just a point of when you get to see these people over there suffering and, and, and a civilian and whatever. Hey, hey, I'm, I'm a veteran. And what we have to do, we do. I understand the democracy, but the war, nah. All right, Charlie, you talked to black, white, people from Eastern Europe, from right here in Metro Detroit, Democrat, Republican, the overall consensus. People are very sympathetic to the suffering that the Ukrainian people are going through. However, there is a definition. What does this war really mean to us here in the United States? And I don't think you heard it. Is it well defined? How does the war in Ukraine affect people here in the United States? And I think the administration probably has to do a better job of convincing them. Congresswoman, how much does this cost us? At the end. I don't know how much it cost us, and I hope we will use diplomacy to try to end it. And I agree with Charlie, we need to do a far better job. And I care about peace in the world, and it's under. Jamie, we have about eight seconds left. I'm sorry, please. Yeah. Uh, uh, our vital national interests are not at stake in Ukraine, and we need to be careful. As long as it takes is not a solution. Jamie, Congresswoman, good to see both of you. We'll talk to you again. Charlie, as usual, thank you. That does it for this edition of Let It Rip. The Let It Rip discussion continues online. Sound off on Facebook, Twitter, or Fox2Detroit.com.